Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs, we have Dear Damsels, I've been feeling a little low lately regarding my career. I'm a 26-year-old engineer and I manage a team of 10. I'm one of the youngest people at the company with a management position, and all of the people who I manage are way older than me. I feel like I don't have the respect for my team as other managers do, and I think it's because I'm a woman and I'm young. I feel like I don't belong and that I should step down from my management position. I feel like there's a huge boys club mentality going on and I can't take it. What the heck do I do? Investigating imposter syndrome. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Who? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. I'm Ash. And I'm Alejandro. What's up, everybody? Oh my god, life is crazy. Ash, you're finally back from Paris. I'm finally back. It feels like I've been gone for so long. I saw Lauren the other day and I had to go get my um I had to go get gas for my car. Zero idea how to do that. <laughs> oh my god. I had no idea. So recently I came across a social media post. It was either TikTok or Instagram. And it was this uh, entrepreneur and she was saying that her mom, when she was younger, would tell her that like nothing is undoable. Or she, I remember she she was referencing a lesson in life that she learned early on that one can do anything, that one can kind of persevere over mystery and confusion in a given situation with confidence that we can actually figure it out whether or not we've done it. When the task at hand or the project or whatever it is. And it was interesting because, like, it kind of reminded me of imposter syndrome. Uh, have either of you ever experienced imposter syndrome? Every day, every second, all the time. Yes. Time. Yeah. Yeah, same. I remember when I first moved to L.A. for, uh, it was an assistant editor job. And getting into it, it was so intense because, like, what was asked of me, what I had to manage and the different types of things that I had to manage. It was really overwhelming. And I was just thinking to myself, like, am I qualified to do this? Like, how is it that someone is trusting me to figure this out? And like, in in, in spite of the, I don't want to say lack of preparation, because I'm always willing to do something and figure it out. But like, who, you know, know. like, it it definitely that brought about moments where I was just like, what am I doing here? Am I even qualified? I completely feel you on that one. I was suffering big time from imposter syndrome right before I left to go to Paris. And I think it's because, well, I just felt like I didn't belong in this industry. I felt like I had no talent, like wasn't being taken seriously. And because I didn't study it in college, like, and I, it, you know, like it's, I discovered it outside of college. Like I felt like 
this is, I don't know, huge imposter, um, all up until I went to Paris. And that trip changed my whole outlook on life. I don't know what happened. I was telling Lauren this, I turned 30 and I don't know what happened, but something changed. And I don't know if it's turning 30 or being in Paris for two months and starting like a whole new life and like two months of living in a new city. But after I signed with my new manager, I think that's when it changed because I was like, oh, wait, someone does see something in me. There is some potential in me. And then I did this acting workshop in Paris and I don't know what happened. I think it was just the teacher. I connected really well to her and she gave me all the confidence I needed to snap out of the imposter syndrome. I don't know if this is going to stay. I don't know if it's going to last and if it's going to seep back into my mental thoughts. But right now I'm feeling like I've like overcome that little, that phase that I had of having imposter syndrome. That's amazing. But what are some tools that you think have been helpful for you to like get into this headspace? I don't know if it was something specific that I did, to be honest. I think it was a bunch of things. Like I've been doing morning pages for the longest time, but even when I was doing morning pages, I still had imposter syndrome. So none of my variables with mental health had really changed because I was still doing the same stuff like journaling, going on walks, exercising. But I think being away from LA and taking a step away from the industry for two months, I didn't really audition. The only time I auditioned, was, I had two auditions. Um, and that was right after I signed with my new manager. Um, but still like not working for two months, I think really helped me. I know that's a really privileged thing to say for me to, you know, not to afford to not be able to work for two months. But honestly, taking that time out for myself was huge. Yeah. For me, I think imposter syndrome is an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important what you mentioned there, Ash, that like you did have some creativity wins there through the management signing and through um, taking that acting class that you really liked. And I think that that's like part of it because I think I'm the same way. Like sometimes when we have these wins, it's easy to shake off the imposter syndrome, but I think it's really easy to flow back into it when you get into a part, a point of a lull. And I experienced this recently, actually. And this is actually something that I've noticed in the past as well. So I just got back from LA where I was working on a really cool film. Um, I got to stay at Asha's house, which was beautiful. Asha has like the best house ever. And she let me bring Brian and Ernie. So that was really nice of her. And I got to see Alejandro. So it was all good things. But anyway, while I was filming that, like right before I booked it, I guess, I was like, oh God, am I going to be even good when I get to set? Like, do you, does is anyone actually a great actor? Like, am I a great actor? Like, um, will I be able to memorize these lines? Like all of these, you know, negative thoughts. And then I booked it. And that's the whole thing about it. But then it, to me, it's almost worse, like actually when you book it, because then you're like, hey, am I qualified for this? Like, can I actually do a good job when I show up to set? Um, And to me, like, that's the biggest moment of imposter syndrome is like when you get in. And I felt honestly that same way when I got into Columbia, like getting in was exciting, but it was also terrifying. And I think the good thing that I see about being in grad school is that like you're forced beyond your limits every day to do things that you're not comfortable with, but you still have to get back on the saddle. And I had like some unhappy news, acting news yesterday. 
Um, and that put me in like a little bit of a, a bad imposter syndrome space again. And that's why I'm talking about imposter syndrome is kind of like an ebb and a flow because once I was done shooting my film, I felt great. I was totally on a high. It was awesome being in LA. I felt totally creatively rejuvenated. And then I got bad acting news. And to me, that is the career. And I think that like, if you really want to be an actor or whatever the career is that you're pursuing, you almost have to fall in love with that hustle. And you kind of have to fall in love with the ebb and flow of a career path. Because the thing is, like, there are going to be happy moments and there are going to be um, shitty moments. And the fact of the matter is, like, I think a lot of us strive for happiness. And happiness is like, moments in time. Like, I don't think that you feel consistently happy all the time. And I think that like the whole thing of imposter syndrome is that like, we see these career opportunities or we see these like moments in our career as things that like, once we have them, we're going to be happy. And when you do get them, you're not always happy. And like, it's still scary and you're still going to have to work really hard, but that's sort of the hump that you have to get over in trusting that like you can handle challenges and you are worthy of giving yourself the opportunity to overcome those scary feelings. Yeah. Well, Alejandro, you've been working on a lot of different acting opportunities, like so freaking many different acting opportunities. And like Osh, you also did not go to school for acting. So has this made you experience imposter syndrome or do you feel like it also different there's a difference in genders and feeling imposter syndrome. Explain to us. I think of my own experience, I definitely, I mean, I had imposter syndrome. When you asked me to collaborate on Defining Dodo, I was like, what? I have not a single piece of knowledge when it comes to making a short. Like, what <laughs> is she even asking me? Um, but it was really cool to, like, overcome that and just kind of carry with confidence that I could figure it out if there were no answers readily available. And, and you were amazing. They, <laughs> they you were. But I think now in uh, being able to connect with new filmmakers or not new filmmakers, but just to develop relationships with people who are also passionate about storytelling and to be asked to either submit or be a part of a project, there are definitely feelings, especially during that audition phase where it's like, oh my God, like, what am I bringing to the table? How is what I'm doing going to stand out? Am I doing it even the right way? Da, 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 da. But it's all sort of questions that are within myself. And like, I think getting out of that headspace and just being very present in, you know, in this case, what the characters are saying or what the character thoughts should be between the lines, you know, just thinking about none of the BS of what other people might think and really just focusing on how I can deliver the best of myself. I think that is the best way that I'm able to kind of get out of the, or to better navigate the ebb and flow of imposter syndrome. Because yeah, auditions are so weird. It's such an awkward process of like, hi, my name is, and then, then I have to slide into a new skin of sorts for, for what the character calls for the character situation, whatever. But yeah, it's um, it's a funny dance on eggshells, and I totally agree with you. It's an ebb and flow for sure. The but first time I heard about imposter syndrome was when my friend, she's a um, she works for SpaceX. She's an engineer, and she's super young. And she was telling me she had it, and she told me this like two years ago, I think, or 
or maybe the beginning or the no actually yeah last year maybe like the beginning of last year that's like the first time I heard about it I never knew there was a term for it and she was telling me how she feels like she has it because she's super young on her team and she manages people who are older than her she's also I mean I feel like being a female engineer too is like something that is a big thing in the industry that you know you're not taken seriously and she was telling me how she was suffering from it and I was like I've never heard this term before but I feel like and I I also felt like I didn't I had no idea what she was talking about because I was like I don't really know what this means until I really felt it because even before that yes I did feel like I didn't belong in the industry or like I not that I didn't belong but I wasn't a good actor but I never felt like I didn't really belong in the industry I thought there was space for everyone but this whole imposter syndrome thing for me it happened like this year and more specifically like two months three months ago or four months ago I have always felt like I was going to have an epiphany when I turned 30. Like I did feel like pressure was going to release or something when I had that. And I, you know, that could be totally arbitrary. There does just feel like there is a certain amount of like pressure and insecurity when you're in your 20s that makes, I don't know, I guess like once you hit 30, allow you to have some freedom within your career and confidence within yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think I've heard so many people talk about turning 30 and how there's a switch, there's a change. And I've always been like, it's a number. Like literally what's the difference between 29 or 28 and 30? Like it's literally just a number. And I don't know, I'm I'm not saying that it's me turning 30. I really think Paris has everything to do with my change in mindset. Like I was also t- telling Lauren this today. I don't have control over what people are doing with their lives. Like I can give guidance, but there's, that's like the furthest I can do. I'm not going to sit there at home and like be so annoyed about whatever somebody else is doing and let it affect me. And that switch definitely happened when I turned 30. I just stopped giving a fuck. Sorry, Lauren's mom. (laughs) My mom commented on that recently and she was like, Tell Ash not to worry. I always love her or something. (laughs) You. Well, hi, mom. I know she's listening too. <laughs> <laughs> Both our moms listen. Right. Asha's mom isn't allowed to listen. Yeah, she's definitely not allowed to listen. She's like, <laughs> you went on a date? <laughs> you didn't tell me? And he's not Indian? That's actually a question. Have you guys ever experienced imposter syndrome within your dating lives? I don't even know how to like put imposter syndrome into dating. Like I can't even think of how that like would you're not be good enough for someone. Oh, be not good like enough. Somebody would you. never like look at you that way. Um, like they're too good for you. I have felt I have had someone treat me like I'm not good enough for them, my very toxic ex, but I never thought that he was too good for me because there was nothing going on in his life. Like absolutely nothing. No job, nothing. Yeah. I certainly have back in the day. Like I certainly felt like people were too good for me and like that I wasn't worthy, blah, blah, blah. And then I've talked about this before, but I think I felt so like desperate to hang on to them that like that insecurity showed tenfold. 
And I think that for a lot of reasons, it was like why they would break up with me that I wasn't able to um, see at the time. It's actually funny. I talked about being a serial dater on one of our podcast episodes. My mom like messaged me afterwards and was like, you were a serial dater. Like, do you remember like how upset you used to get like about every breakup? She was like, yeah, I think you had an issue, but glad that you've like figured it out and you found a good guy now. And I was like, yeah, mom, that's why I have a podcast to like talk about my issue and how I'm like, well, now, thank you. Anyway. (laughs) This is free uh, therapy, mom. We don't pay for therapists. We yeah, and we talk about our feelings. Exactly. <laughs> They're welcome. <laughs> They're welcome. I've experienced it not that I didn't think I was good enough, but in the sense that there were there have been guys who I've dated who haven't shown up for me the way that I show up for them. So for those for that reason, it almost feels like. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, maybe, where it's just like I kind of question myself and like, oh, should I be doing something differently in order to like attain a similar level of support? I don't know. But maybe that's just like more of an indication of the other side than myself. But, you know, I think it's interesting that one, it's not only what we do that can affect our level of feeling the imposter syndrome, but I think it's how other people interact with us or how other people make us feel. I think that can also have a significant effect on whether or not, or to what degree we feel that uh, level of imposter feeling, you know? Yeah, it's so true. Like imposter syndrome is more about how you make yourself feel rather than how other people are making you feel. Yeah, because validation will only help it a little bit and it's going to come right back but your internal validation like you like you said Lauren like the way you make yourself feel the thoughts that you have in your mind and what you're telling yourself is ultimately going to be the thing that kicks it in the butt yeah we've said it before too there's nobody else that's going to advocate for us like ourselves <laughs> yeah and it's hard i mean it's easy easier said than done it is super hard to keep having you know positive thoughts about something that you feel not insecure about but I guess insecure would be an okay word to use um it is really hard to keep motivating yourself especially in our industry where it is we've talked about this a very self-motivating industry and if you already think you suck and if you already feel like you don't belong like how are you gonna even make it or like make money at least like you know book something you can't. No yeah. one's going to take you seriously. No one's going to see your talent if you can't even see your own talent. I know that's right. No, it's 100% true. And the other flip of the coin is that like some of the opportunities that allow us to make ourselves marketable or train us to be better actors are expensive and not everybody has access to those like something that I think about all the time is like what a privilege it is to be an actor that I think that we forget about all the time because it it really does like cost a ton of money to um, really be able to put yourself out there and I think that's like a part of imposter syndrome is like a lot of it has to do with how did you grow up um, who was your support system? What were your parents telling you? Were your parents telling you that you were the best? Were your parents telling you that you could do your career? Because I think a lot of the ways that we feel towards ourselves are developed early on. Yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting that you mention what was it? You mentioned something about engineering, and I think our letter is from someone who's in the engineering field. Shall we dive in? All right. So we have 
Dear damsels, I'm writing to you from Nebraska. I've been feeling a little low lately regarding my career. I'm a 26-year-old engineer and I manage a team of 10. I'm one of the youngest people at the company with a management position, and all of the people who I manage are way older than me. I feel like I don't have the respect for my team as other managers do, and I think it's because I'm a woman and I'm young. There aren't that many women engineers in this company, and it's hard to be taken seriously. I feel like I don't belong and that I should step down from my management position. I feel like there's a huge boys club mentality going on and I can't take it. I'm not invited to any of the social events and it seems as though the room gets quiet every time I walk in. What the heck do I do? Investigating imposter syndrome. Uh. I do think what I was going to say is the one thing that I've gotten better about, I think as I've gotten older, is um, understanding that not everything is about me. And I mean that in like a positive way that like all the times where I feel like, oh, somebody didn't like me or I said something weird and now somebody's thinking about it and they think I'm weird, they're probably not thinking about you. And I think that it's like you feeling like all of these people are talking about you and that you think things are get quiet. My guess is that it's likely in your head because you're already feeling insecure about them. Because I know that, you know, when I'm in a situation where I feel uncomfortable, I make up all these different stories in my head and overthink everything because I'm already feeling awkward or I'm already feeling bad. Um, so I think a lot of this is in your head. And when I say that this isn't always about you, I again mean this in a positive way in the sense that you are paving the way for so many other people who want to be in this position like you. You're doing such an incredible thing and it's so brave and it's so courageous and there needs to be more people like you. And that's exactly why you have to persist and you have to stay in it. And I know that it's hard, but everything good that we have to go through is also difficult. And the truth of the matter is you're going to be okay and it's okay to ask for help. And I think that that's like the biggest thing that we forget is that one, it's okay to ask other people on your team, like, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Like, what do you think I can be doing better? And two, it's also okay to ask people who have left your position or been in your position before, like, what was your feedback on the role? What are things um, that you think would help me to stand out as a good employee? Like, what were things that you did that you think were um, effective? Or ask people who are in higher positions, like what they did to get to where they are. I think that like one of the best things we can do in any career is just utilize your network and not be afraid to ask for help or ask for feedback. I just asked for feedback on an audition recently and it was really scary. And I was opening myself up to hearing like negative things and negative notes. And honestly, it came down to the fact that there was actually nothing wrong with my audition. There was They didn't have anything bad to say about the audition. It was just an energy that I had that came off of comp as confident when the character was insecure. And like, guess what? That's going to happen. And sometimes like people's attitudes, if they seem like they're in a bad mood or, you know, they seem unhappy, it has nothing to do with you. And it's all about whatever they're going through. I know that's right. I love that. And like the other thing too, like I understand why, you know, I guess I can't really understand, but I hear what she's saying when it's, when she's saying, I think it's because I'm a woman and I'm young. I mean, those might be atypical of a stereotypical engineer, but at the same time, you got your credentials and the fact that you're young and at this company in a managerial position, like you better pat yourself on the back and, you know, love and celebrate the fact that you are doing the damn thing. And that energy that you might be feeling when you walk in and then be surrounded by this boys 
club mentality, whatever. I mean, maybe that's just because your energy is just shining bright and they don't know how to take it. <laughs> yeah. It is really scary, though. I, I completely agree with you, Lauren. Like, you, you do have to, in these situations, insert yourself. Like, if you're in a management position already, so you're the one that's, even though they're older than you, you are the leader. You know, you're leading this team. So definitely don't step down. I think step up. And if there's a boys club mentality, literally go up to them and be like, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? Oh, you guys are going up. Mind if I join? I know it's really scary. I probably wouldn't do that because it's terrifying. But if this is what's happening and it's affecting you this much that you feel like you need to step down from this insane position that you have at this huge company at 26 years old, don't do that. Like, don't let your career suffer suffer because there's, you know, you don't feel like you fit in or you feel like you don't belong or you feel like you're too young. Don't, don't ever do that. Yeah, I 110% agree. And I also want to give a PSA to the men out there. If you notice there's like a woman on your team or somebody from a more diverse background, pay attention and pay attention to how they seem like they're feeling, how they're integrating and try where you can to make them feel included. This is actually something that Brian gets complimented on all the time because he's also in like a kind of old boys company. He's in sales. And a lot of women like will come up to me at his company events and say like, Brian is really good, like working with women. Like he talks to women really well. He makes them feel included. And I hear him on his calls. He'll always like stop and be like, oh, sorry, so-and-so, what were you going to say? Um, and I think that those are like very little steps to just try to make other people have their voices heard and have other people um, be included. I was really badly bullied as a child. Um, so for me, like inclusivity is one of the most important values to me. And I always feel like my mom is definitely going to make a comment about this after the podcast. Anyway, um, we got to stop talking about my mom. Anyway, um, she's definitely gonna have a comment though. Inclusivity has always been very important to me. And it's always been important if I see somebody who seems like they're kind of left out or nobody's talking to them to try to find a way to um, integrate them. And you know... Lauren's five what did what did we call it Lauren's five uh tips for honest feedback this mm -hmm. comes to play here because when you see somebody um who seems like they're not really fitting in or you're, they're not being integrated you play question master and guess what it comes it comes up here as well because when you're not being integrated and you want to get to know people better you play question master people love to talk about themselves and people always want to have questions asked of them lead with curiosity mm-hmm and kindness. <laughs> yeah, I was going to add that too. <laughs> I actually remember another moment after we've talked about this imposter syndrome thing. Alejandro, I don't know if you remember this, but when Alejandro hired me as his intern um, at the publishing company that we both worked at, I was in charge of making this PowerPoint presentation. And there were a lot of things asked of us at this company. Alejandro, you can um, discuss this for yourself. I we're like, I don't, that, yes. <laughs> I don't think that we really felt prepared or really had any idea what you were doing, but you kind of like had to lead with confidence. Hmm. And I think something that I learned from working there was sometimes it's better to put shit on paper and have it edited than put nothing on the paper at all. And I mean that like 
for your career, for whatever you're doing, like any effort is better than no effort and it gets noticed. And the thing is like, people are going to tear it apart, but that's fine because you'll end up with some sort of a finished product at the end. Um, the story that I'm thinking of is, I think it was Alejandro asked me to put together this PowerPoint presentation. And at this point, I didn't know about like image copyrights and that you like couldn't just grab images from Google. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I just grabbed a ton of images from Google and put them in this PowerPoint presentation. And our boss like freaked out, like told me that I had to use stock photos that like were royalty free, but I had no idea because nobody had told me. And, and that sent me into like the worst cycle of imposter syndrome. Like I was so sure that I was going to be fired the next day. I was like, I never deserved this job from the beginning. I had nothing to do with being here. And the thing is I worked there for like four more years after. And like, that's the thing. Like you can't be afraid to screw up because like we all learn from our mistakes and you better be sure as hell that in any film that I make after this point, I'm going to check on the royalties. Um, so, you know, just don't be afraid to fail. And I think that's the key to imposter syndrome is like, yeah, it's scary. Feel the feeling, then move on and keep going. I totally feel you on that 5,000%. And just piggybacking, that's one of the things that I took away from that opportunity was the fact that it's okay to mess up. And it's almost like you kind of want to mess up because otherwise you won't have the opportunity to learn from those mistakes or polish whatever you're working on in order to make it the best that it can be but the same goes for not only work stuff but like personal projects that we have on our own um or even you know interesting conversations that could be had with a partner you don't know until you ask or bring something totally. up so and i think about you all the time with that opportunity alejandro because that was the opportunity that brought you to la right so, I mean, even though that wasn't like the professional opportunity that you continued with for the rest of your life, it was um, like a gateway into pursuing all of your creative pursuits that you've been pursuing. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I learned so much in that. I mean, in particular with the rights to content that is not ours, you know, uh, that played really well to our advantage, having that knowledge when we were doing the Dodo project and mm -hmm. making sure we had access and sign it, signed off on <laughs> the songs we were trying to request permission yeah. for. And yeah, I mean, it's just protection of the content of ourselves. And in the long run, it saves us a lot of money instead of getting in trouble. Because I mean, especially since that content is released all around, we don't want to get in trouble later on and then have some crazy lawsuit pop up. Mm -mm. But yeah, I mean that it's wild to reflect on that because that's been six years now. Yeah. Years oh wow. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I, I mean, it's beautiful how things have been lining up, and you know, still to this day, I think there are times that I do struggle with imposter syndrome, whether it be with work stuff or um, acting or writing. But it's exciting to not only have friends who are supportive. But also to know that like within myself, I can do that which I want to achieve. And it's all within our own capacity and in our own two hands to bring it to life, to bring it to fruition. Something that I'll never forget that our acting teacher taught us, mine and Lauren's acting teacher, was um, when I do feel like I suck or, you know, I'm not talented. All I have to say is I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm, I'm enough. And I still do that. I'll write it in my gratitude journal or I'll say it out loud and I'll try to like really believe what I'm saying, not just say it and then be done with it, but like really say it until I believe it. Yeah. yeah.
I like what he also said about keep trudging. I yeah. thought that, that was always good because it does feel sometimes like you are really trudging. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes you have to take a second to breathe um, while you're trudging and just say like, whew, this is really hard. And like, this is a, this is a tough career path. And today it doesn't feel good, but then tomorrow you get, keep trudging on. Yeah. Alejandro, one thing about that job that we talked about was that you were really good at advocating your, for yourself. And you were really good, I think, at talking to higher ups about um, what wasn't working, how you thought it could make it work and how it could work better for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think led you to have the confidence to do that? And how how did you do that? So our listeners can learn from that. I think first you have to identify what your own goals are and really understanding like the path or the direction that you want to take with, in this case, your career. Um, but then I think it's also important to understand the leadership style of the person that you're working with as well as communication style, (laughs) because some people are very specific in how they prefer to have certain things brought to their attention, but, you know, respecting ourselves and respecting, you know, the higher ups in this case, I think that understanding really helps to identify the language that one needs to use when advocating for ourselves. And it doesn't have to be a super aggressive conversation. It can really just be about like establishing some ground rules or uh, trying to create some common ground in terms of the alignment, what we are not going to put up with and what they can do to improve upon however the collaboration is going. Because I feel like oftentimes we put ourselves into this box of, oh, I, I need to be careful about how I how I phrase this or how I ask this question or da da da. But then at the end of the day, it's like if our bosses are expecting the best of us, we should expect the best of our bosses. And they won't know what's working or what's not working until we tell them. And again, it doesn't have to be super crazy or aggressive or assertive. It can be respectful, uh, but it has to be specific. So I think, yeah, maintaining specificity in what we're trying to bring to their attention is also going to be a great way to make some headway in terms of finding that common ground and making some actual progress on a project. Because the worst thing is dealing with a person that you don't want to interact with and then <laughs> having to like spend so much time trying to you know work on something. If, if there's no alignment, that's just, oof, that's rough. Totally. Um, for, I think for our letter writer, ask and you shall receive is a big mm-hmm. thing is what I'm getting from what you just said, Alejandro, because it's so important what you said. You know, like our bosses, if they expect us to treat them with respect, we also need the same back. And for the letter writer, ask for respect, you know, ask for people to treat you the way that you want to be treated. As long as you're doing it, you're also treating them well, which I'm assuming you are, obviously. Um, Otherwise, you wouldn't think about stepping down from your management position. But I think ask and you shall receive. It's it's the only thing that I can really tell you that's a big takeaway because imposter syndrome is going to come up. It's going to hopefully never stay forever, but it's still going to come up, especially in our industries and your industry too. And being a woman or a minority in that field, it's going to keep coming up and you're, you're going to keep getting tested. You just need to ask for what you want. And keep yeah. on pushing forward because you're a role model 
And you're totally. laying the groundwork for those to come as difficult as that may be to see now in the f present tense in the future. You you are creating a long lasting impact, I trust. So have some patience and give mm -hmm. yourself some credit. Aj, I feel like we both have also been um, better at advocating for ourselves within representation too. And like that, that's also tough. And I know in my earlier 20s, I was not doing that for sure. I was so terrified of losing them and thinking that like I wouldn't have a career. But I do think like um, that's a lesson that we can all learn from is that like you do have to ask for what you want. Like um, and if things aren't going the way you want them to be going, you have to tell somebody you have to advocate for them. Um, people can't read your mind. So, you know, you need to speak up for yourself because other people aren't going to. I know that's right. And no one else is going to write these letters except for our listeners. So we wait eagerly for all of your submissions, whether they be DMs, comments, or letters written. You can even submit a voicemail as we've said before. <laughs> we love hearing your voices. And please also subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. It's just really important. It really makes a difference. You know, just listen to what we're talking about right now. Pick up your phone and write us a review. We say it every time, but is it that hard? Just pick it up and write it. <laughs> just fucking do it. Yeah, constructive criticism helps too. You know, I want all the feedback. I want, we talked so much about feedback. Okay, so give us some feedback. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.